This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, you thought Father Christmas here, or if you're in Germany, Hallo allerseits, Vater Weihnachten here, Tanke, Tanke. Yes, you're here for another episode of the Ho 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 Homestale Radio Podvent Calendar. Now, let's dust it off and speculate who might be behind door number 11. Today's special guest is quite frankly hard as nails. He once squared up to half of Sheffield wearing only his pants and if I didn't open this door he'd probably smash it down with his face and take out the elves with a single two-footed challenge so it's probably best we don't f*** him around and get on with it off we go so behind the advent calendar door today we have Clint Hill. Hi, Clint. How you doing, guys? You okay? Fantastic. Thanks. And Nick Philpott's here asking questions as well. Hi, Nick. Hello, mate. Good evening. Hi, Nick. Nice to meet you, mate. Hi, Clint. Right. Let's get straight into it. So, uh, youth player at Tranmere Rovers, your, well, let's call it your hometown club. Were you a fan of Tranmere or one of the bigger teams in Merseyside? Um, Yeah, I'm a Red. I'm a Liverpool fan. Since, since birth, obviously, you follow your dad's path, don't you, really? Uh, he used to drag me along to Anfield to watch the game, so that kind of grabbed me uh, from the first moment I stepped into the ground. So that stood with me up until now. So, um, yeah, I'm a red one, for, unfortunately, for some. But, yeah, it's, it's a good adventure. Uh, one of the, the things I know about your early career is that in 2001, 2002's version of Championship Manager, you were an excellent signing. Uh, <laughs> What's just, happened since then? <laughs> <laughs> used to be a stalwart in my team. Uh, oh, good goal-scoring defender. So, I spent absolute days on that thing. It was ridiculous. I remember weekends with me and my mate, and we weekends used to go in a blink of an eye on that on that game. It was fantastic. It really was. And uh, like I say, well, I, I like to have been out. I used to have put myself in the game when they brought the editors out, but uh, obviously it was very hard to keep myself under contract. I used to want to go to Juventus all the time for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. It's obsessed. <laughs> Um, anyway, so uh, obviously your early early career uh, 
played at Tramway, and obviously, some, some, sure, you got some great memories there. Uh, but where we sort of first sort of, of I suppose this is my my first sort of recollection of yourself as a player. And you're not going to like it. <laughs> it was go on, go on. Well, it was while you were at Stoke, and it was when AJ had about a uh, he had about oh, a 20, yes. twenty yard head start on him, and he still still managed oh, to beat. Let's not the cop. Be a bit more kinder than that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, God no, I remember, I remember that myself. I, I don't know if I was just coming back or I've just come back from a cruciate or or sort of some sort of injury, and yeah, I was. I was pretty much struggling for match fitness and everything but yeah he, he was he was an exceptional player wasn't he and he, he was quick as um yeah and he managed to take full advantage of that moment didn't he to say the least <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it was just a yeah it's just a strange it was, it was just one of those moments where obviously you saw just how quick AJ was and it was just odd that it was not that long after that that you uh that you, you joined Palace but obviously you had uh you mentioned your, your crucial injuries. You did have uh, issues with recurring knee injuries, and one of the the things that was talked about when you when you joined Palace was, uh, you know, that that you know Warlock sort of had a, should we say, a different sort of training regime for yourself. Yeah, there was you no. Know, just go back a little bit when I think Stoke actually played Crystal Palace at Sellers Park, um, maybe a week or two before I actually signed um, for Palace at the time, and I can remember being on touchline and. The Palace fans behind me were giving me so much stick, saying, you're rubbish, you can't even get in the team. And I was thinking, and then a couple of weeks later, and I was on the verge of signing, I'm going, oh, you might not be happy with this, this fella. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just in the back of your head, you think, oh, you might not be happy with this signing. But it was, um, like you said, I, I, had a, I had a really good time at Stoke. I, I, the, the few seasons that I did play, I'd done really well, and, and I enjoyed it. But overall, it was a disappointment for me. I only played 80 games, I think, in four years, four and a half years. Um, and it was a difficult period for me, and I was kind of, in and out of the team, kind of falling and out of love with the game. And then Neil popped up out of nowhere, you know, um, spoke to him, managed to come down to Palace. And from then on, seriously, he, he just kind of reinvigorated me. You know, I got the love for the game back. He, he gave me loads of enthusiasm. He played me. And yeah, uh, I've, I think I've said it before. I owe him a hell of a lot. And I owe the club a hell of a lot as well for, for taking that gamble on me at the time. Yeah, I think we, you know, when we when you, we signed you, we kind of thought we'd signed a, a centre back, and um, but then you came in and made left back your own, and yeah, I think so did I. You, I thought you were signing a centre back as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was incredible, really. And again, I think at Palace we really like someone who puts a proper challenge in. You know, I know a lot of fans do, but it's it's something that I suppose at the start of this season we felt we were missing as well. And it's it's always yeah. you always become a fan favourite straight away if you're going to put in a, a proper challenge and just just be you know aggressive and fight for the club. And that's something yeah. that you just seem to be a perfect fit for Palace at that time. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, this, I think I think it goes both ways. You either have one player who's an unbelievable talent you can you can pull things out of fresh air and win your games on in the blink of an eye. You know that talisman kind of player like a like a Tarabat or a Zahar, for for instance. Uh, and then you have the other side of it where you've got the lads who you might not have that natural ability or talent but can do the other side of the game well um, and that's kind of where I fitted in a little bit more than the other side um, <laughs> and I kind of I just yeah I, as soon as I joined the club and, and got into the dressing room it was a great dressing room it really was I had the, had the funniest six months of, of probably one of my, my career to be honest with you the, the lads in there were brilliant just proper characters knew what it took to, to win games of football and it was just a joy to go in every day. It really was. And um, we were so unfortunate not to, to get to Wembley that year. 
Yeah, I think I mean, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of things that you, with with your time at Palace where you kind of think what might have been, and you talk about those characters, the likes of you know Paddy McCarthy, you, we've we've spoken to, uh, you know Sean Derry, Danny Butterfield, you know all those all those guys who are just so, you know there's leaders out there. I mean, an Odell Warner yeah. is, is somebody who likes to collect leaders in the team, you know, not just have one guy who led the squad. It was all, all of you, uh, and that really did shine through. And um, I think probably if you go back to the the moment you got on a plane to go up to Newcastle is, you know, as looking up to the playoffs and then get off the, get off the plane yeah, and you're suddenly yeah. looking down again. That's probably the yeah. moment where it kind of just, you know, that was, that was surreal. Yeah. yeah. That was a surreal moment. It really was. I mean, like you said, there, step on the plane. You, you think you've had a good push for, uh, for the first half of the season. You look like going playoff contenders. Maybe if the form carries on, get off the plane and you're in a relegation dogfight. You know, it was just, it was such a surreal moment. And it probably didn't really, probably didn't really sink in until you've seen the, the league table where then 10 points were taken off, if you know what I mean. Because um, we went into went into the uh, the hotel, Neil pulled us aside, had a meeting, told us the situation. We're like, wow, what's happened here? Then we played Newcastle. I think we, I don't know, was it 2-1, I think, or 2-0? I, I don't quite know. We couldn't play Victor Moses or people like that. Um, yeah. But it, it didn't really hit or become reality until you've seen you drop down that league and that's when it really started to, to hit home, unfortunately. And there's um, obviously one of the other most memorable moments later on that year was, of course, the uh, the game against Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a there's a thing on YouTube. One of uh, was actually one of our listeners, a guy called Bubs, does called a Palace Minute, where he animates famous moments. Yes. <laughs> He's made me look very well on that. He's given me about a 10-pack. He's given me some pecs. So, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all for them kind of characters. <laughs> yeah. He made me look wonders. I've got to ask. We had a few questions in as well, and there was a few people asking. One of the guys who goes by the name of the BBS, which is a Palace Forum, a Zohar's penalty, uh, he said, you know, what, what words were exchanged between you and the Wednesday fans at Hillsborough post-match? And were you even vaguely concerned? You know what? It was such a... Uh, it was such a surreal moment because I remember the whistle going and it was just pure elation and relief more than anything. Didn't enjoy one minute of the game, the whole build up to it, just because you know the importance of the situation in the game. Uh, whistle went, result went for us. Absolutely brilliant. I remember trying to shake a few of their lads' hands. Obviously, they're devastated. Um, make my way over to, to the away fans thinking, oh, the lads must be there celebrating. I get there. I'm the only fella there and I'm going, oh my God, what's happening here? So, I clap, I throw my boots in, I think I throw, might even throw my top in as well. And then I turn around and I just see like a, a cordon of police officers. And I've gone, oh my God, I've got to get back through there. And the, the, the steward pulled me and goes, listen, we've got to go that way. I've gone, what, through them? He goes, yeah. So we can not go around them. He goes, no, we're going to have to go through them. And to be fair to him, and I shook his hand after it, he took more than me, I think, to be honest <laughs> with you. He just, he took my head under his arm, mate, and he just piled right through everybody. And there was, yeah, there was spitting, there was punching, there was kicking, there was attempted punches that were missed. Um, yeah, you don't really know what kind of situation you are until you step back and look at it, you know, through video. Yeah. And then you think, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, I mean, it's incredible. It didn't really get that much attention, but for, I thought it was, you know, watching it yeah. back, it was just, 
a ridiculous situation to be put in. But uh, what I really love, and again, it is it's in that uh, that animated video. I mean, obviously, Nicky Cole did come out on a kangaroo, which was disappointing. <laughs> but he did he did come steaming out. So did Big Claude and all that sort of stuff. And it was yeah, yeah. just a just a bizarre like you say surreal surreal moment it was yeah it was i mean like uh, we had a we had police interviews for a few weeks after that coming out of the house and uh and going through the whole situation and saying can you pick anybody out that that we can maybe look at arresting or charging i'm like seriously i can't remember a thing all i was remembering was trying to get into that tunnel without any kind of uh broken noses or or anything like that without falling over um so yeah it was a real surreal moment but Got in the dress room, mate. Didn't think anything about it. The beers were open. We were all singing songs. It was happy. And, uh, yeah, we just moved on from there. Yeah, and obviously that, I mean, you know, everyone who's, who was there is sort of, a, a, we all call them the Hillsborough heroes from that day because it was just, it was an incredible game of football to, to watch because the tension was so much. How, did, yeah. how on earth did the team cope in that circumstance? Uh, just, I'll, I'll take it back to where we're talking about characters. You know, do we had, were we the best, were we really like uh, a good team, a, a fluent team, probably not, but we had a team full of just bottling character. And uh, if we went to war with anyone, we fancied our chances. Um, and yeah, I don't think I'd, I'd go into a, another situation without those kind of players because uh, to a man, they were outstanding. To go into that atmosphere full, the stadium was full of that, on that day uh, with the tension and everything that goes with it. Yeah, well, just, just fantastic. I mean, you talk about Paddy McCarthy, how good was he that day? Sean Derry, you know what I mean? Oh, God, it was just brilliant. Butterfield, you know, it was just, it was just brilliant. It was just a brilliant occasion and uh, the lads deserved it because they, the, the turmoil that they went through all that season, it was just good to come out with a bit of a shining light at the end of it. Absolutely. I mean, it's still one of most Palace fans who, who were there or, or experienced it in any way. Still one of our defining moments, I guess. It really was. Got a few, uh, got a few other questions, and most of it was just people. There's some quite bizarre questions, so I'm going to ask you them <laughs> because I just feel like feel like doing. I think it'd be amusing. So, Selhurst Celtic, it says uh, to, to ask you, why didn't he give me his shirt when I jumped over the advertising boards in the main stand and approached him on the pitch after the West Brom game at Selhurst when we looked like we were going under in 2010? I imagine you don't remember that, but he seems very adamant. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. Said, <laughs> our, our kit man, our kit man at the time, Brian's a real, real tight man. And if I started giving <laughs> shirts away, he would absolutely tear the hell out of me. And he charged me double. So that's probably why. I was thinking I had that in the back of my head. Brian just scolded me day to day for his for his shirt money. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, Keston Eagle, and I, I, I've got a feeling I might know what this is about, but he says, ask him about Paddy's shed. Oh, it's not oh, Paddy's shed. That was my house. That was my <laughs> home for. That was my home for. Oh, how long was it? Four months, maybe four or five months. I wouldn't call it a shed. It was, it was beautiful. It was like a pool house. It was. It was oh. brilliant. It was like a, uh, like an outhouse. Oh, he had a pool as well, Paddy, at the time. Um, and he put me up there for for four months because we moved out of the house. Um, it was brilliant. He had a TV. He had a little kitchen in there. Uh, a bed, a shower. It was brilliant. It was brilliant, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> you never seen me when I was there, to be honest with you. I just camped out in there. It was absolutely fantastic. I won't call it a shed, though. Definitely not. No, there we go. <laughs> Love it. Um, <laughs> so we've also got. Um, I suppose this refers to your your time at Rangers, I guess. The question is simply: Is Joey Barton real? <laughs> <laughs> he is real. He's definitely real. Um, he's he's a. You know what? I get on with Joey. I get on with him really well because. 
he, he knows what I'm like and I know what he's like. The, the whole persona of him on Twitter and everything, people have to realise that he, he, he's trying to wind people up as well. You know, that, that, that's his natural character. Um, but he loves his football, very passionate about his football, very knowledgeable as well about his football. Um, and it's no surprise to me to see him on, on, on shows like TalkSport and, and BT commentating on games because he, he does know the game, he, he, he loves it and he, he speaks very well about it as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, like a, like a few players, you, you left Palace to, uh, to go to QPR and obviously it was in really difficult circumstances. Obviously, Neil Warnock had gone there and, and the club were just... You know, no one knew what was going to go on there next year. No. And I suppose you probably weren't particularly well kept informed. You just knew that there was an administrator there who was going to sell people and you didn't know where it was going yeah. to go after that. So we've spoke to a few people about that. But did when you went to keep it up, did you ever imagine you'd be spending, you know, as, as long as you did and becoming a captain and playing in the Premier League and all that kind of stuff? No, no, God, no, not, 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 not I was well, 30, yeah, 20, 20, 30, 31. You, you kind of think, you know, those days will never come you know what I mean and I've had a good career I've still played at a good level the championships are a very very hard intense league as you know um, I, I think it's one of the toughest leagues in Europe to be honest with you um, so I was quite content and happy to be at that standard and then obviously to, to reach those kind of highs playing in the Premier League and some of the best players in the world was, was uh, an added bonus it really was uh, it was something I've never thought I'd do um, and it was a, it was a great experience it's interesting. I look, look, sort of looking in. I was always taking interest in ex-Palace players, particularly the ones that that, that you like. And um, you you kind of had that spell under Redknapp, where you know there was a lot of players that came in, lots of them on nah. big money, and there was a lot. Obviously, the relegation happened and all that kind of stuff. But it just seemed that he kind of relied on you, and that's why you you became almost like you know the figurehead for what what QPR should be, rather than the rest of it, the rest yeah. of the rubbish. It kind of. I don't know, it, with all the influx of players and, and listen, they, they, some of the names that were, were, were coming in were household names who had won Champions League titles, League titles, FA Cups, you know, they came with some CV. Um, but a lot, along that way, along that path, I think the club lost a bit of its identity. Uh, and I think they've realised that over the years, you know, the, the lads that got them up to that standard, up to the league uh, and kept them up there the following year, were kind of easily dismissed, you know, real, like we talk about characters, but good players as well, and who cared about the club and, and had been on that journey to, to get the team to where it was and cared about it. So to lose that kind of identity and that character and to have a large influx of players who, who maybe have come for a last payday or the twilight of the career, it, it, was, it was hard. It was a hard environment, it really was. And it, it hurt me and it hurt a lot of other players who had been there a few years to, to see uh, the, the path and the deterioration it caused to be honest that's fair enough uh, what do you make of uh, Palace's start to the to the season obviously been a real struggle and, and yeah. they got rid of a manager very very quickly who obviously many people thought it might be a difficult appointment uh, because it's a, there's a big ask to change from what Palace were to, to the kind of side that you imagined Frank De Boer wanted to manage but at the same time we acted really quickly and obviously Hodgson's come in and shored things up and started to pick up points and put in performances but I mean I suppose first of all what did you make of Frank De Boer's? Yeah I thought I mean like you said that it's, it's difficult for to change style and philosophy over the course of months you know it, it needs years if you're, if you're going to go down that direction of, of a total shift in 
transfer policy and, and philosophy, it's going to take years. It's, it's not going to take weeks or months. And you half, you half kind of felt for him being put into that situation because uh, he, he wants to he wants to play football. He's a total footballer. He's a Dutchman who, who's been in some outstanding teams, and he wants that kind of style of football. But at the end of the day, it's results, isn't it? No, you've got to win games of football, and if that isn't happening. Um, then people start questioning the style of play, um, the, the transfers that you bring in, and then pressure mounts, and unfortunately, uh, your head has to roll. Um, so it was a difficult situation for him. It, did it need changing? Uh, if it carried on a bit longer, definitely, yeah. But um, hopefully yeah. now, with Roy in, a um, bit more stability, and some good players in that team as well, as they start clicking, then hopefully, you know, it'll be a good, a good second half of the season where they can start pushing up the table for sure. Absolutely right. And to take us sort of into the sort of Christmassy thing, <laughs> we're uh, obviously Christmas. We've talked about this a lot today. So Christmas is obviously a very different experience for a professional football than it is everyone else, really, because it, it's a fairly intense period uh, rather yeah. than a, a period of relaxation and everyone copes with it in different ways. But do you have any sort of games or, or moments that really stick out in your, in, sort of that Christmas spell for your career? You know, it's difficult. Just the whole, like you said, it's just the whole like kind of tradition of it. You, you play, you'll, you'll have your Christmas day, you'll have Christmas dinner, and they've got a game after it, you know what I mean? So you've got to be careful. And to be fair, it's just become, it's just become part of the norm for me because it's been throughout my career. Um, but then I went up to Glasgow Rangers last year and they had um, a, a break over Christmas. They had a three, three or four week break so I went away and like had some sunshine and, and sat on a beach for a week. And it felt weird. I'm not going to lie to you. It felt so, so weird. And it took me, it probably took me two weeks after that to kind of find my feet again. Oh, really? Because my body, just, my body just switched off. You know, when you just sit there on the beach because you think it's pre-season um, or the season's finished and your body just switches off, you're on the beach. Um, and then to get back into it, it took, me, it took me about two weeks to get back into it. I felt weird. It just didn't. It didn't feel right for me because I haven't actually experienced it before. Yeah, that's um, really interesting. Obviously, most yeah, other countries operate yeah. that break, but it's yeah. always talked about, it, isn't it? It's one of those things. It but was well. so strange, man. It was so strange. You thinking I was on that time of the year. I was on the beach. There's lads playing football in other parts of the world, and then to come back and you're doing a mini preseason, then games. You're like, wow, what's happened here? I feel like I've been away for like six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, it's so surreal. So, obviously, I see the benefits of it. I do see the benefits, and I think over time it will come in. I've got no doubts about that. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So we've uh, been speaking to a few people and uh, we've had a few Christmas party stories, that sort of stuff. Oh, you've, you've managed to get away with it. You've not been mentioned yet. 
Um, good. Good. <laughs> so either either can you drop yourself in it, or have you got any other stories that you've uh, that sort of spring to mind from your Christmas uh, party days? Christmas party days. Wow. It's to be fair. What what do we do? We it's a fancy dress occasion, or as always, um, it's usually a Saturday. Sunday's usually the, the fancy dress day, um, and I think most clubs I've been at. You kind of have a, a draw where uh, a teammate will pick your fancy dress outfit and you will not know what you are or what you'll get until the morning it shows up. So you are panicking for weeks on end to to see what you're going to be dressed up in on a Sunday morning when your mate <laughs> rolls in with your outfit. And you're like, oh, just be kind. Please be kind. As long as it's warm and it's not inflatable, I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just, so it's just that panic of, of that whole situation. But... Um, it's always it's always a good laugh. It is. I mean, when, when you get all the lads together and uh, they're, they're kind of letting all that tension go for, for for 24 hours, it's always a good laugh, and it's always there. Uh, there's always plenty of stories to be told between each other. Unfortunately, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I can't no, fair enough. Onto the radio, but it's always it's always a good moment. I know, I know, I know. It's kind of frowned upon as well. I think, isn't it, with certain people? But uh, I've got a lot of time for it, and I've seen the benefits of it as well. So. Um, yeah, long mate, continue. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, Nick's here with some quick-fire Christmassy type questions for you. I'm okay. intrigued. I'm intrigued about some of the characters that you were talking about in that team. Who was the funniest player that you ever played with? It doesn't have to be a bad player, but who was the funniest player? The funniest player? Oh, wow. At, at Palace at the time, Danny Butterfield was always the... the, the hey! always he was. He was. Seriously, he was always up for a laugh. Um always pulling tricks on people. Um, yeah, and he, he was definitely one. Clinton Morrison as well. God, I forgot about Clinton. What a, what a character he was. Um, someone who have, you have a total different perception of from the outside, but when you step inside and, and work with him on a day-to-day basis, he's an infectious character. He really is. And uh, he was one of the highlights as well for me, definitely. Favourite Christmas gift you've been given? I don't get much now. I'm going to go... My son gets loads of Star Wars I'm a, I'm a bit of a Star Wars geek. He gets loads of Star Wars Lego, so I'm forever building these Lego sets, and they, they become they, they become part of me. Though I'm very precious on them. So when when they're built and he goes round flying them everywhere, he should see me. I'm running around them with cushions and everything. I say please don't bang it, don't smash this up. I've just spent eight hours doing this, and it looks beautiful. Um, yeah, so little things like that. I'm a, yeah, I'm a little bit of a, a Star Wars geek like that. Well, I'm sitting. I'm actually sitting in now watching Star Trek on the telly. So, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. okay. So in the in the Hill household, who cooks the Christmas dinner? Me. Do you? Yeah, me. Yeah, I, I cook. I cook every time. Uh, I'm the chef. Uh, and it's it's Tarnis. I've got three kids, obviously a wife, and at any given night, I can have five different meals on the go. It's absolutely ridiculous because my little boy wants something, my little girl wants something else. My youngest will eat whatever. And then, so you, at the end of the day, you're cooking five different meals. You're like, how the hell has this happened? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just like, can we not all just have one the same meal? But you know what kids are like? They just, they just change their mind constantly. So, yeah, it's always fun and games. Most impressive. Okay, so what about a, fa- a family Christmas tradition? Is there a favourite tradition in your household that you have to do every year? Uh, oh, I don't say... There isn't really. So my sister gets these, I don't know, she she has these little gifts. Like She, she goes out and spends a pound or all, like a pound each on all of us. And some of the things she gets, 
and, and you see and you say, well, how the hell have you picked that out for a pound? You know, it's just, I won't say it's just tradition, but it's just her little thing. And you're like, the, the effort she, she goes to, to to find these things is just unreal. And like, you're just there sometimes thinking, Joanne, how, how, how long have you spent doing this? But it's every year for her, bless her. But no, there's nothing like outrageous or anything. It's just all get together around the table, eat the food, have a few drinks, have a laugh. And um, yeah, it's always good. It's always a nice time. Fantastic. Over to you, Chris. Thank you. Okay, great. Uh, just before I uh, uh, wrap up, really, I just I noticed that you've, uh, well, according to the font of knowledge that is Wikipedia, you signed a short-term contract with Carlisle. How's that going? Yes. Yeah, it's okay. It's good. Um, obviously, I wanted to keep playing. Uh, I'm 39 now, and I never really thought I'd, I'd get past 35, but thankfully, it's kind of, it's still going, and I don't feel too bad. Uh, body still feels okay. Obviously, I know Curly from Palace and QPR, um, and he, he offered me the chance to go play there. So I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, good set of lads. Had a, some some good results lately. Um, so hopefully we can kick up, uh, up up the league and hopefully try and get a playoff place by the end of the season, hopefully. Fantastic. That's great to hear. You're, you're still going, and, and hopefully that will continue for as long as you can. Yeah, trying, trying. <laughs> 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 okay, so uh, last little thing for you before we let you go. Have you got a little Christmas message for the Palace fans for us? Oh, no, listen, what what can I say about that? I mean, it was a great time for me. Two and a half years there. It was fantastic. We had some really good times. Uh, managed to survive the scare. You know, all the support that they've they've given me and the lads, it was an absolutely fantastic time. It's brilliant to see where they are now. Fingers crossed for a, a positive second half of the season where they push up the league and, and secure another Premier League season. So, yeah. Best wishes to all of them. And, um, yeah, thank you for all the support that you've given me. Lovely. Thank you so much, mate. It's been a real pleasure talking no, to you. No, thank you. Thank you, guys. It was brilliant. Thanks so much. Happy Christmas, Clint. Thank you, mate. And to you the best. Guys. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. What a treat. Now, if you want to make sure you go on my nice list this year, please share and like this podcast calendar to help us raise funds for the Palace for Life Foundation. Anyway, see you tomorrow, and Merry Christmas. Right, I'm off for the sh- The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club, because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.